Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Josh and JD Show. This is JD at MGOJDBlue on Twitter, along with Josh here at UMFanJosh. Um, Josh, how are we feeling after that big win? Finally fucking played somebody, guys. Hope you're happy. Beat them, too. <laughs> Beat them by two possessions. Went into Happy Valley. Um, Won our second game in a row in Happy Valley. And, uh, I mean... They, they probably haters have probably moved on to something else. Let's be honest, but you can't say we haven't played anybody now because just went into Penn State and ran it down their throats without our head coach, and basically did it without the forward pass, which is insane. Yep, that's the new knock is that Michigan isn't good because they couldn't protect JJ and they couldn't do like, the ball. Whatever. Maybe Penn State's just got a good defensive line, like, <laughs> and Michigan saw that and they're like, okay, we'll just run the football. We see how you're attacking us, and we'll just run it. In terms of sacks, yeah, number one in the Big Ten, um, by like ten sacks too. So it's, it's like okay, well, we'll take that part out of their defense and make them stop us a different way. And they, they kind of did. I'm not saying they didn't. That we, it was obviously wasn't as bad as last year when we ran for over 400 on them, but still ran for 227 yards, about five yards of carry. Blake and Donovan both had decently long TDs, and um, it was a, it was a good win for the boys, and um. A good one to give them some confidence, especially through all the BS they're dealing with right now. Yeah, one thing I'd like to point out is how much Donovan Edwards shows up in big games. Like, anytime there's a big game, he's yep, he's just performing. He's always scoring. He's always coming up clutch. And, yeah, that was huge. His touchdown was huge. And, like, especially at that point in the game, it was 7-3 to three and uh, it was 13-11, I think. And um, it was actually right at – Right after Michigan threw their last forward pass of the game, uh, um, Donovan went and broke that run. He only had 10 for 52, but it seemed like every run he had was effective. And uh, it's it's good to see Donovan have a good game like that because we needed it. Yeah, I'm hoping that he just explodes again at the end of the year like he did last year. Uh, I don't know if maybe they're just trying to keep things vanilla with him all year, and all of a sudden they're like, boom, here you go. This is Donovan Edwards. Or I don't know, but it's really good to see him starting to get some rhythm again. The whole run game, I mean, I think there is just a little concern from Michigan fans about if we could still run the ball and win a game that way. And they just showed everybody that they still can do that against the toughest <laughs> by team. literally only running the ball. Against the toughest defense possibly arguably on their schedule and against the number one rush defense in the country they they did exactly that and show that hey we still need to bully teams we can and it was it was an incredible watch um i know that people were getting a little frustrated with um the play calling and i i understand when you get one dimensional it gets a little frustrating but in the end it worked michigan took a 24-9 lead gave up a late touchdown but frames made some dumb decisions Going for two. I didn't think the second one was bad. The first one at the end of the first half was a really bad decision. And it forced them to have to go for two later in the game. So, in the end, uh, Michigan just proved that there's a bigger, stronger team. And, hey, we're 10-0, man. Second straight year, 10-0. Yeah, and that was one of the most stressful games I've watched in a long time. For me, that was just – maybe it was because you and I were watching with a Penn State fan and a Michigan State fan. (laughs) <laughs> so that did yeah. not help things but i think it was just like oh it just not being able to throw the ball or not i don't know if i should say not being able to but just not doing it 
and only running the ball just makes me so nervous. Even though it was working, I was like, uh, I don't know. And it was just a defensive battle, which makes me nervous. And, and shout out to our defense that showed up. The, the the literally our last episode, we were like, it's going to be a defensive battle. That's exactly what happened. Yep. And um, yet still, here we are freaking out because defensive battles can be nerve wracking because one big play <laughs> can be the difference. Yeah. So, and luckily, yeah, I think Michigan's. I even was the one that got those big plays that they, when they happened. Yeah, and I, I think I even called the score as like 27 to 17. I wasn't I too 20. far off. I think it was 24-15. It was 24-15. I said 21-13. So, yeah, we were both pretty close there. <laughs> you were um, close. But – and uh, I wish Penn State didn't score at the end there so we could have still – so we could have um, held them under 10. So, yeah, that's the most points we've given up all season. Um. Am I correct in saying that's the first time we've allowed multiple TDs in a game this season? I think that is correct. And honestly, it could have been stopped if Quentin Johnson would have gotten that pick. It could have I know. been a blowout. I think I wonder if the boys like got so hyped up after that pick. Like, you know, they literally all ran to the sidelines, Barrett yeah. took his helmet off, and he unfortunately got a penalty for it. And they all did the picture and everything, and then they realized it got overturned. I wonder if it was hard for them <laughs> to lock back in and it kind of Probably. Left. Penn State, I, mean, I don't think that's a very good excuse. Obviously, you should lock in, but in the end, it didn't matter. They came up clutch on the two-point conversion and sealed the game right then and there. So, And how about uh, Kenneth Grant running down the – I don't know if it was Allen or Singleton. I don't even know which running back is which on that team, I but I know Kenneth Grant tracked Allen. him down. Yeah, um, there's no way a man that big should move that fast, and he's going to be a first-round <laughs> pick. Yeah, I have no doubt. He's going to be a first-round pick, and Mason Graham might get drafted in the first round, too. And it feels nice to know that we got both of them coming back next season. We just have so many defensive tackles, like Cam Good. Isn't Chris Jenkins one of them? Yep. Rayshon Benny. Yep. Yeah, Graham. Rayshon Graham. Benny forced that fumble. That really kind of set the tone for the yeah. second half. That was huge. That was huge. Yeah, because they were really getting some nice yardage off that QB draw. or like They were converting on a lot of plays with that. And after that, you never saw them try that again, which nope. was awesome because it took a little. Which their offense doesn't have much, let's be honest. They emptied no, the bag of bad. tricks to get that first touchdown. Like, it took everything to go just right for them to get that touchdown. Like, it just felt fluky. All their Like, that, like the fourth and sixth, Alex threw it way behind him, and the receiver had to, like, turn and catch, and then they had to run yeah. special on the next fourth down. And it's like, okay, you – I'm not. I, I'm not gonna say you guys played poorly. You did. You executed. But you had to pull out every single thing in the book to get that touchdown. And then you <laughs> went for two for some reason, which was just a boneheaded decision that early in the game, and and um really kind of set your team behind. Yeah, <laughs> James Franklin literally does not know how to manage a game at all. Like, I I never have coached before or anything, but I just know I I'm very confident I could manage a game better than him. <laughs> like it's that bad it's like, bad man like, i can't think of how many games he's probably lost like he might have had the better team in a lot of big games and just lost because he's an idiot like even like like the ohio state game too they were um they were playing well and he abandoned the run early and then when he tried going back to the run ohio state saw it coming because he abandoned it and he had nothing the rest of that game so yeah it's kind of i feel like the ohio state and Michigan games versus Penn State kind of took very similar trajectories. Um, you know, Penn State got an early field goal, and then Ohio State's kind of took the lead back. And 
you know, Penn State hung around, but they were never able to get back into the lead. And then um, both games, they scored a garbage time TD to make the score look better than it was. So they was kind of, it was yeah, by two different means. Michigan did time. it on the ground. But... Go ahead. Remind me of like, like 2016 or 2018 Michigan, where like their defense is really good, but their offense just quite isn't elite enough to hang with all the best teams. And they just can't get over the hump. That's kind of what they remind me of. Yeah, and we were kind of talking about today, like 2017 Michigan. That was an amazing defense. Yeah. And they lost five games because they had the worst QB play I think I've seen. I've seen probably since the Hulk era. Um, probably 2014 was the next worst I've seen. But And we were saying, like, man, if they had just average QB play, they probably would have beat Ohio State that year. Because I remember, remember that, how how well Harbaugh coached that <laughs> yeah. year. Yeah. And it's it's funny to me because Penn State like they they'll score like fifty points against I don't know who who did they play last week Maryland like, Maryland they, yeah or they like, dropped fifty on they have no problem scoring points in other games but then when they play Michigan and Ohio State it's like man they can't do anything they're just like Iowa when they play us they're, it's crazy and, yep that's that's kind of I feel like they're the only like team like maybe you could put Iowa in that tier that like middle class mm-hmm. tier behind. Not quite Penn State or Michigan and Ohio State's level, but not really in the bottom of the barrel like the rest yeah. of the Big Ten. They might them and maybe Iowa are the only two teams in that are in that middle level, like tier two. Yeah, yeah. maybe Iowa is only inflated because they play in the Big Ten West, but they're going to finish <laughs> ten and two this year. So, well, them and Penn State usually have some epic battles just because mm-hmm. they had the weirdest top five matchup Probably. ever. The- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and they have like a. They both have like the most. I don't know. It goes so perfectly together. It's hilarious when they play each other. I don't even necessarily call Ferentz in that. I don't think he makes bad decisions. He just doesn't adjust to the time. <laughs> like that's where he's. <laughs> he just is trying. He's still playing '90s football in the 2020s. Like. Even Michigan, yeah. I mean, yeah, they run the ball a lot, but you can tell there's a difference between Michigan's offense and Iowa's offense. You know, it's two very different things. You really do need to have a better offense than that though to win games these days. Yeah, and you do. You I have do. no I mean, idea why it took him so long to figure that out. Iowa, like they have a usually a top ten, we're at top twenty at worst defense in college football every year, so they can just. <laughs> figure it out on the other side of the ball. They could they could do some serious damage. You know, this was their year to strike in the big in the last year of the Big Ten West. They they would have just fired Brian Ferentz last year, but oh well. Yeah, Didn't help that Cade got hurt. No, that that definitely hurt them and in that Penn State game like I kind of felt like Michigan was getting kind of ripped off in some calls like the the running into the punter thing or whatever. That was bad, man. What was the other one? Wasn't there like a – there was a few holding calls that they blew. There was actually a really um, bad holding on Penn State's first touchdown. Like I, I don't remember yeah. who it was, but someone got like legitimately tackled on the offensive line, and it was bad. <laughs> but. Yeah, so that just bugged me a little bit. And I almost – I don't want to start a conspiracy theory or anything, but I'm almost wondering if the Big Ten's doing it to Michigan on purpose a little bit. Well, if they're gonna we'll, do that. We'll, we'll see in this Ohio State game, man. We'll see. Yeah. I'm not gonna assume anything. I'm not gonna try to be that guy. But 
especially, especially that roughing the punter that they missed. I mean, there was he, nobody even touched the guy, and they said he was blocked into him. It was that was bad. That was egregious, honestly. That was so bad, and uh, it just felt because we would have had another first down. That. I feel like we would have scored on that drive. Otherwise, and the game might have been even. I feel like we would have scored too. I feel like we would have scored as well. I don't really care. In the end, Michigan so came out. Michigan was the better team. Um, and I couldn't be happier to finally shut these. You haven't played anybody, people up. It's not our fault. The Big Ten pack loaded our schedule, man. Like, and the rest of the Big Ten is so <laughs> bad. You know, a few years ago, Minnesota was a decent game. Nebraska was a decent game. Michigan State was a decent game, you know. It's just Big Ten's at an all-time low this year yeah. <laughs> outside of two teams. Moore. You saw after the game his oh speech and just the outpouring of love he has for Jim Harbaugh. This whole team, you can just tell they're really motivated to win this stuff for Harbaugh this year and they're they're just angry. They all know it's like I heard Trevor Keegan talking about it on the post-game radio show, and he sounded pretty mad about it. Like, they're all unhappy, and it, they're taking on the whole Michigan versus everybody attitude. You could just see, like, this team is bonding together in a new way, and it's honestly exactly what we needed this year because after winning two Big Ten titles, you could get complacent, and now we just have, like, a fire to light well, under that us. And with how backloaded our schedule was, maybe if the Big Ten just didn't do anything, we would have gotten complacent against Penn State yeah. there, but instead you had you went and fired our coach. Or not fired. Excuse me. Tried to fire him. Trying to get him fired, I, I should say. They want him out. It's pretty clear. It's suspending our coach with no notice less than 24 hours before the game starts. And it was just ridiculous. It's absolutely coward stuff out of Tony Petiti. It was incredible how poorly they handled that. And they did that on purpose. And instead of trying to set us back, it just pissed us off even more. And we showed that by running it 30 times in a row down your throats, <laughs> bullying you, and beating the top 10 team in their house. Yeah, and it it just felt like to me the Big Ten did that totally on purpose. It wasn't an accident that they did it while the plane was in the air. And that I also feel like they're just trying to derail Michigan's season. I think it's driving them crazy that they're successful. And that none of the stuff that they're trying to throw at them is sticking or working to ruin their season. And they're trying everything they can to stop it. And I think it's ridiculous when you have all these coaches that can go on a Zoom call and cry to the commissioner. And then that's why he's going to get suspended. I saw that didn't the Big Ten put out a statement or the NCAA saying they have nothing to connect Harbaugh to the stuff that happened? The NCAA hasn't officially stated anything, but that's been reported. And then okay. in the letter, the, the awfully written letter, I should say, that said, um, we have no evidence linking this back to Jim Harbaugh, but we're doing this as a punishment of the university. Okay, buddy. You know what you're <laughs> doing there. Punishment yeah. of the university. But And why are you punishing the players for something that they didn't do, you know? Right. You know, and what's, what's going to be even funny is like, you know, Big Ten's trying to make Michigan you, you lose. You know why? It's a pretty bad look for their conference, for them, for Michigan to get accused of what they're doing, for them to fire the staffer, and for all these teams to adjust to it. And Michigan's still coming out and kicking everyone's ass and still <laughs> winning the Big Ten, even after all the stuff came out. Pretty bad look out of your conference, I would say. 
Well, yeah, that's why I'm worried about them sabotaging with the refs or something. I'm just maybe I'm just paranoid. I I might need to put my tinfoil hat on, but I don't know, man. And I think like it's pretty ridiculous how I don't know the Big Ten. If you think about it, like with Ohio State ranked number one, it changed tonight. Uh, yeah, they'll stay number one. I bet. Yeah. I don't think they'll change it. If this and like beat them at the end of the year, there's a chance that they both get in the playoffs again. The Big Ten is honestly trying to take that away from us and take away that away from their conference. Like, why wouldn't you want to make that money? Right. You're. It's a completely, completely valid point there, Jordan JD. And um, it's just a ridiculous way to handle this out of the Big Ten, and they're. It's. When Harbaugh said he found out through social media, through someone tapping on his shoulder and showing him his phone, that's just so unprofessional and just not how you handle a situation like this. I don't care what you're accused of in the college football landscape. That's not how you tell someone that they are suspended for a game 24 hours with no chance to respond and not even contacting the man because you're that scared. (laughs) Yeah, it's pathetic. It's like just so Bush League and so like childish and all these Rival fans are like, well, what do you mean? You cheated, so do you expect to have good treatment? It's like, like really, this is not the way you conduct business, especially with your biggest cash cow in the conference. I thought it was just a major slap in the face. And I think Tony Petiti is an idiot for starting off his relationship in the Big Ten by slapping his biggest brand in the face. Like, good luck getting Michigan to ever cooperate and work with you again, buddy. Like, it's over. Right. And I know... um it's some people are saying a relationship that won't be mended. I don't want Michigan to leave the Big Ten, and I don't think they will be. I think those rumblings are a little far fetched, but it's gonna that's gonna be a tough relationship for Petiti yeah. to repair the way he's handled this. I think I would love to see Michigan leave the Big Ten after this because screw them, I'm just done with them. And if they could get like a super conference together or join the ACC or something, I'd be all for it at this point, just because of the way things are changing. I mean, we don't need to mess with that anymore. I'd rather be treated fairly, to be honest, and get due process. But whatever, it is what it is. It's just very it's very insulting, I think, if you're a Michigan fan or someone in the Michigan administration. It's very insulting. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, Michigan is still, you know, they can do whatever they want. They can try to take away our signs, take away our coaches, take whatever you want to do. We're still going to beat you. We can you can even take away the passing game from us. It doesn't matter. We'll still beat you. So we still beat you. Good. We didn't even need our Heisman level quarterback to beat you. <laughs> beat a top ten team on the road. Like it's just maybe we're just good, guys. You know, maybe we're just a really, 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 really good football team. Sorry, that's hard to admit, but it's not the Michigan of old and I don't I don't know if I want to say the Michigan of old, the Michigan of a decade ago, I should say. Yeah, imagine that. They're winning games because they're good at football. Interesting. I think people just need to – I don't know. If you're winning games without passing the ball, you're a good team, straight up. It doesn't even matter if you have signs. You can do whatever you want. We debunked that whole competitive advantage thing. Anyway, we just we basically told Penn State what we were doing for 30 plays in a row. <laughs> we did. <laughs> we did. There's we, some pictures of the We told them what we were doing the whole second half. Look at, the, look at some of the formations we sent out there. Yeah. And it, make it more was... obvious we were running the football. <laughs> And they couldn't stop it, even though they knew it was coming. But, I mean, that's the story of the last few years for Michigan. Everybody knew what we were going to do, and they couldn't stop it. And it's just, that just shows you we're people. good at football. 
so that are willing to like sacrifice their ball knowledge for this agenda. Like you can send <laughs> Michigan out against GVSU, tell GVSU exactly what play Michigan's going to run every time, and Michigan would still drop fifty on them. Why? Because <laughs> they're good at football. Yeah. They are bigger. They're stronger in the trenches. They are better. They are skilled at the skill positions now. They have top ten in the country quarterback play now. They're just a good football team. It's not a hard concept to grasp. Yeah, and it's just like Deion Sanders was saying. It's like in baseball, okay, sign stealing, I can see how that would impact the game a lot more. Like if you know a curveball's coming, you're going to crank that thing if you know it's coming. But like football, you still have to stop it. You still have to make the play. And, yeah, Michigan's just proving in these games that it doesn't matter what you do. Like we're going to – we're still going to whoop you. So it doesn't really matter. But I'm just really excited now. That was program win number 999. Um, we're looking uh, at a Maryland opponent this week on the road going for program win number 1,000. It'll be the only football team in any level of football to hit their 1,000th win. Um, what do you think of Maryland, Josh? You know, early in the season, people saw this as a trap game, and I agreed. Like, And Maryland started out playing some really good football. I think they started 5-0 and or 4-0, and and now they're kind of spiraling. I believe they're 5-5 five and five now. I've lost five out of six, you know. And they played Ohio State pretty tough, but when they lost that game, they kind of spiraled. And um, now I see it kind of going like the Maryland game in 2021. So I'm I'm, I'm very, very confident. The only thing is just don't get a big game. First off, a big game hangover along with looking forward to Ohio State, the big one, the game. Yeah, that's a valid concern to have about this game. But given the track record we have with this group of players, I think it's going to be fine. I think the boys are going to be locked in. They're going to take care of business and whoop up on them. I think just getting program win number 1,000 is enough motivation for them for this game. I hope. And then, man, we're only, by the time this podcast is out, it'll be 10 days until the the game. And, dude, this could not be the most. There has never been, in my lifetime, a more anticipated matchup between these two teams. This game is bigger than the nerves already. last year and probably and definitely bigger than 2006, I'd say. I mean, just with everything on the line. Um, yeah. And with everything that's going on. Yeah. So I just hope Jim can. Co- I hope we can find a way to get Jim to coach 1,000 on Saturday. I mean, I guess I shouldn't guarantee it, but I want Jim on the sidelines for win 1,000. man. I didn't think about that because that would be really sweet if he was able to get that, but we need him back for Ohio State. And like mm-hmm. you said, it this time, I felt like last year was the biggest game in the history of the rivalry, or at least in my lifetime. But I think this one, now with all the talk going on, everything surrounding it, and like Ohio State fans are really mad because they've lost two in a row. Like This thing is bubbling up. It's about to explode on November 25. Like this, The big house is going to be rocking. It is I mean, the biggest game. It might game. be snowing. It's going to be insane. It's going to be the scariest. Like, it is the biggest game in Michigan Stadium t- history. Tickets are absolutely through the roof. I don't think I'm going to be able to push it, unfortunately. And I'll have to watch from home. But it is going to be the biggest game in the history of the big house. And I can't think of a better game to have the big house home field advantage. Yeah, it seems like whenever these big games come up in the rivalry, it's always at the horseshoe, like 2006, 2022. It's really fun to see us get one at home where they're both undefeated. Like, game of the century type vibe. I'm really excited to have it at home for once. Me too, man. Me too. It's going to be a fun one. Um, We'll obviously go more in depth with it next week. Um, 
after hopefully recapping a win over Maryland. But geez, man, I can just it's all I can think about right now. <laughs> Me too. I know it's it makes so Thanksgiving early. like what else do you talk about every single year? You know? <laughs> I know, and, and it makes me honestly not really enjoy Thanksgiving that much because I'm so nervous about the game coming up. I can barely think about anything else. But you know, at least this year we have we have Michigan basketball to entertain us for a couple games in between. And man, they're off to a hot start. Um, they just they came are. off that win against St. John's the other night. Looking really good. Their offense just looks so much better this year. The ball's flowing. Everybody's just everybody's just doing their part. Everybody seems like they've been playing together for years. I mean, this is shocking to me. Um, definitely. Uh, and I thought I was like, okay, right, St. John's is a nice little test for us. We're playing a power conference team. Rick Patino's back into a big time program. Let's see how this team fares. And uh, yeah, can't ask for much of a better performance. Um, Doug McDaniel, 26 points. Namari Burnett coming out hot, 21 points in the first half. And um, it, and I remember I tweeted um, at halftime, if we can just clean up rebounding. We feel like we can pull away, and that's exactly what Michigan did. Coming out with a nice little 16-point uh, win over the over St. John's, who's projected to finish pretty highly in the Big East. So I'm, I'm, I'm very happy about that win. Yeah, and Doug McDaniel looks legit. Like, I... I know this is an extremely hot take because it's only been three games. But, like, last year, I remember I looked at the numbers and he put up stats, like, almost identical to Derek Walton's freshman year. And, honestly, I think when he's all when it's all said and done and his career at Michigan's over, we're going to be talking about him, like, in the same category as, like, Derek Walton, Trey, maybe not Trey Burke because Trey Burke set the bar so high, but he'll be, like, one of those elite point guards, like Simpson – one of those guys that we talked about. One of those point guards like, that we've been missing for a couple years, man. We've been missing yeah. that kind of a point guard probably since uh, Xavier left. So, all right, I, Mike Smith. I should say since Mike Smith left. Um, yeah. Mike Smith was – he wasn't Xavier level, but he was good. And now that we got – we're kind of off that transfer point guard route, you know, and back into having some point guard continuity. Um, Doug – we knew we needed Doug to make a second-year leap, and he is doing that even more than I think anyone could have expected. Yeah, he is elite, and I don't think it's a fluke. I think he's going to carry this on all year. You can just tell he's been working on his game. That little it's, step back he had in the second half, that was just – That was clean. Cool, man. That's <laughs> that's tough to teach, man. That's tough to coach, and that's just how well Doug plays. And um, and, and it seems like even like, like yesterday it seemed like in Kamwa – I want to say he had an off game. He just wasn't very aggressive. But like Burnett was able to pick up the load, you know, um, Terrence Williams seems to have improved. I see if he can keep it rolling. He seems to have improved from. I don't think anyone would lie. Could lie. It was probably it was a pretty horrendous season for him last year. So hopefully he can keep his efficiency up from three and um, kind of play like more like he did his freshman sophomore year. Yeah, I'd, I'd really love to see Tebow kind of keep it up because he is off to a pretty good start, and I really can't think of anybody that's really having a bad start. Um. George Washington is a true freshman, so we've seen him make a couple of mistakes, which is completely understandable. Mm-hmm. But I really do like what we see from him so far. I think it's going to help him a lot getting this experience with Llewellyn out. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, I think that's something we could use back is like even in Jalen Llewellyn, even if he's not like absent, completely elite, we could use someone that can provide some serviceable minute, minutes. You know, Doug plays a lot of minutes right now, and I don't think know if that's fully sustainable the rest of the season, but. So yeah, I kind of hope we can get Doug some breaks, 
get him like maybe just a 10 minute just 10 minutes on the bench for a game. I don't even know if he'll need that much, but yeah, and he scared me when he went down um on that one layup or whatever and he was I think like, he got poked in the eye. Oh yeah, I was scared for a second. But I, I was scared too cuz yeah, we need Doug the rest of the season and he's I was like is this going to be like concussion protocol or something? I was just so out. fast. That he little coast to coast he had, I think it was off a rebound when they were trying to full court press. He was trying to took it coast to coast, laid it in. It's just point guards it's aren't fil- supposed to move like that. <laughs> yeah, it's filthy, man. And this team has a lot more athleticism than I feel like the teams have had in the couple years past. Um, I just love the way this team plays, man. And they they have like a little bit of an edge to them. Like I saw Kamwa, kind of like. That guy kind of like guarded him really close, or whatever, and he kind of made that face at him. I don't know, like, I don't know if you and saw that, but they... they're playing a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. Yeah. Now, what whole thing is bringing the whole university teams like playing with a chip on his shoulder. There's a couple guys rocking the Michigan versus everybody gear yeah. on the basketball team too. So I think they just have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. They want to prove that last year was a fluke, and I really sincerely do hope last year was a fluke. I think. I don't want to say last year was a talent problem. I think it was a personnel problem. Some mm-hmm. guys that didn't fit. Um, some guys that didn't fit the play style. And this team just kind of feels like the chemistry is already there. Yeah, I kind of felt like last year, not so much the year before, because they did have a Sweet 16 tournament run, so they were pretty good. But I felt like last season when they missed the tournament, the team just kind of lacked that fire, that energy, like – Nobody really seemed to care that much when they were losing. It just kind of was like, whatever. There was no tried. urgency in those last few. I mean, they got yeah. they would get out to big leads in those last few games that they needed to make the tournament, and then they would blow the lead, and it didn't seem like they would fight mm-hmm. very hard to come back at, at from that. You know, it's like they would give up a run, and then they would sulk the rest of the game. And, you know, last year, last year, I should say, um, yesterday, instead of – when the other team go on a run at the end of the half, Michigan went on a nice run, got themselves a 10-point lead, and they came out firing in the second half. They didn't let up, which is something I noticed a lot different from last year's team. Yeah, and I I just feel like this year's team is a lot more connected together, and they're very motivated looking. They just have more – it's more co- a more cohesive group, and um, – they just have, they, yeah, like I said, they just have this edge. They have more of an attitude. Like, they have more of that dog in them this year. Like, they're, they don't just lay down. And we've heard things like they beat Marquette in the scrimmage. And, like, the first two teams they played are, like, teams that are expected to win their conference. And I think one of them made the tournament last year. Mm-hmm. And St. John's is no slouch. Like, and same as Rick Pitino. Like, and you heard Rick Pitino praising this team after the game, saying they're one of the best teams out there. He's a pretty high man to have praise from, even with his controversies. He doesn't know the game really well. <laughs> I know. He does know the game very well. And, like, if he's saying that they're one of the best teams out there, like, wow. I did not expect to hear that this year about a Michigan team, Michigan basketball team at all. And I don't I'm I'm cautiously optimistic. I'm not going to say we're winning the Big Ten title or anything, but, like, I see them moving up in the county rankings. Like, I'm getting a little excited here, man. I'm getting a little... I'm getting excited. I want to see how this team handles... I feel like they are going to come back down to earth maybe a little bit. Hopefully not too much. Handles maybe a poor shooting night. You know, see how they respond to that, respond to some adversity. But, you know, they got Long Beach State on Friday, and then they go to the Bahamas next week for Battle for Atlantis. And um, I think by the end of the week next week, we'll learn even more about this team and see how, how good they really are. Yeah, and I know a lot of people 
kind of knocked the battle for Atlantis tournament or whatever. But personally, I love it. I think it's really cool. I I don't know why. Something I like the preseason the... tournaments, man. I like I the Maui. It. I like the battle for Atlantis. Um, I think they got rid of. I missed the NIT preseason. That one was fun. I wish they. I like that, that one, one too. I wish they would bring that one back. I remember Michigan won that the year they made it to the Natty. And wasn't so, that at MSG? Yeah, it was at MSG. Because I saw a stat that said Michigan has won eleven straight games that have been that they played at MSG, and I think it might have dated back to that tournament. Yeah, they won like four. That's like a sixteen-team tournament, so they won like four games in that tournament. That was. I remember and then they, the big. I think they beat K State in the final. Yeah, they did. Is that who they beat in the final? K State. So. Yeah, and then and then I think they played the Big Ten tournament there in like twenty eighteen. Yep. So yep. then that I don't know they probably played like other random games there too. So that's pretty cool to see that streak. I don't know. It doesn't really mean much. Didn't they play Rutgers there last year, or am I wrong? About I think that? they did. I think they did. They did play Rutgers there last year, didn't they? And they won. Yeah, and Battle for Atlantis. Like I just that uh, was it twenty nineteen team where they they beat like North Carolina, Gonzaga. And that was when, that was Iowa a State. loaded Battle for Atlantis. <laughs> it was. I don't think it's I don't think it's as loaded this year. Um, there's still some solid teams. They obviously they open with Memphis, and then I think they play Arkansas or Stanford after that. So Arkansas could be a good test. I think mean, I believe they. Our ranking top twenty five. Yeah, I mean they're always going to be there in March, and it's never a bad thing to beat them if you can beat them in your season, and it's going to be a good test because they, their coach is terrific, Musselman. He's one of the best coaches out in the country, I think. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Arkansas, and, Villanova, and North Carolina are kind of like the big teams in the tournament. Um, Villanova did just lose to Penn, so they probably won't be ranked anymore. But I think Villanova fell off after losing Jay Wright. I don't know what did. happened. Jay Wright was. I, in my opinion, at the time, the best coach in college basketball. He was such a good coach. I remember running into his buzzsaw of a team. Yeah, I think he was kind of at a recruiting disadvantage there. If he was at like a bigger school, he would have been unstoppable. <laughs> unstoppable, man. But, but. any anyway, Michigan State though playing tonight in the Champions Classic against Duke. Yeah, that'll be a fun game. Yeah. They play Duke. Um. I still think MSU is going to be good. I think the James Madison loss was a little fluky. Um, they're not going to. They're going to figure it out. But I still think we'll split with them again, like we always do. Yeah, it's a little fluky, but um, I don't know. I think there is like something about Izzo teams too, where they like kind of get better in the second half of the year. Everybody they do knows every that. year. Every year they're falling by. Like, like in twenty twenty, they were going to miss the tournament, and then. They, I think they beat, they beat us one game. They rattled off a win over Ohio State, over Illinois, and got themselves in the in the tournament. So, but the same is true about Michigan teams. They always get better as the year goes along. They do. Last, last year, year was a, I think last year was an anomaly. I really do. So I did feel like we played a little better late in the year last year. We just couldn't close out the games. But if this team is already starting off this hot, man. I'm I'm really excited, and it's a very manageable non-conference schedule too. I think they can get out of non-conference with like only with like no more than two losses. I think they can beat Oregon. I think they're better than Oregon. That's another one of their tests. But I, who do we play in the Jumpman Classic? It's a decent Florida, team. right? Florida. Yep. I think that is Castleton still there. We might play. We might have a rematch. He's Tom gone. Castleton. Is he gone? He's in the G League. I saw. I can't remember what team he's on now, but I saw he was in like a G League. I know. I I know. Like, there's so many like fifth, sixth year players in college basketball because of the COVID year. So yeah. 
But, yeah, that'll be a really good matchup. Um, there's just going to be a lot of tests for Michigan coming up, and we're really going to get to see where they're at. But I'm I'm really excited about this basketball season, and I'm really interested too to see Hunter Dickinson play for Kansas tonight. I'm excited to see like how they utilize him, and like mm-hmm. I just, I'm just really interested in that because I almost wonder if maybe the he might have been part of what was holding Michigan back last year, or maybe he was like a little toxic. Not necessarily in uh he's playing poorly way, but in uh he does he's not a right fit for the roster way kind of thing, right? Yeah. It seemed like they relied on Hunter too much last year. Yeah, it seemed like nobody could really hit a shot and so then they would give it to Hunter. Well then he'd get double teamed and then somebody'd be wide open and then they'd miss the shot and then mm-hmm. It was like so easy to stop us because all you had to do was shut down Hunter. And I don't know. I'm just interested to see how this works out for Kansas or if he kind of like throws a little monkey wrench in their little system. I don't know. We'll see. It'll be fun to watch tonight. It is. Yeah. And then um, we get the playoff rankings tonight. I don't think much is going to change when it comes to the top four, even though I think we should be number one. Little do you biased. think Ohio State will stick at number one? Yeah, they will. They will. That's interesting. I, I don't know. I don't really know. I don't think Michigan could jump up there just because I think if I want to, I, I wish Georgia would drop one so we can get a one versus two. Yeah, <laughs> they, look like a, they look like a wagon. They might put Georgia one now. Georgia looks like a wagon again. I just want to. Uh, I just want to win a playoff game and like get to the natty, man. I don't really want to face Georgia in round one because that scares me a lot. No, neither do I, man. Neither do I because they look like a wagon again. I think we close the gap, but. They look like a wagon again. I want so to play if, Florida. I want to play like Florida State or Oregon. I think those are going to be. If I had to predict the fourth team, it'll be Florida State or Oregon. If Michigan runs the table and beats Ohio State, with all the allegations going on and everything, do you think they rank us number one going into? See, I think the CP CFP does have. I mean, we're talking about the committee here. I mean, I shouldn't give them yeah. too much praise, but I think they do have a decent head on their shoulders. They said in one episode that it's an NCAA issue not a college football playoff issue. So okay. I think they have a decent head on their shoulders when it comes to us. But we'll find out for sure. Yeah, we'll find out. But I don't know when the last time Michigan was ranked number one was, but I don't I think, think I've ever seen it. 97. So I've Were never ranked seen it. Number one preseason in 98. Um, What's that? Were they? I don't know. Oh, but... yeah, I don't know. But. Just to see that number one by the logo on the scoreboard would be really cool to me. <laughs> I've, never I, I've never seen it in my life. I know we've no, come really, really close. Be. We've been number two, but man, I'd love to see that little number one there. It'd be just fun. Like when just basketball once. did it, I remember when Trey Burke like beat Illinois to get that number one spot. It was really cool. It was pretty cool. Like I was just like, holy crap, we're number one. Never seen that yeah. before. <laughs> I think that's the only time in my life between basketball or football. I think they held it for like a week and then they played Indiana. Yeah, and that, that was, game still haunts me. That was an incredible game. I mean, I, they didn't even play badly. That Victor Oladipo versus Trey Burke matchup was nuts. That was nuts. I, that was like such a crazy time in Big Ten basketball. It was elite, honestly. Mm-hmm. Michigan State was really good. Wisconsin was really good. Ohio State had that Mata. They were really good. It was, it was a fun time, and Michigan was one of the one of the leaders in that conference. It was it was a lot of fun, man. Yeah, hell of us in a dark time for during football. So, <laughs> dude, I was just looking at the stats and like Devin Gardner has some of the most passing yards in Michigan football history, 
I was kind of shocked by that, but then I remembered he could throw to Jeremy Gallon, so it kind of makes sense. Al Quilke, Brady Hulk could recruit wide receivers. We had some dogs at wide receiver <laughs> during his years. And even like the first Harbaugh years, like Chesson and Hulk, those were Chesson and um, Darbo, those were Hulk guys. Like, yeah, shout out Brady Hulk for getting Jordan Lewis and Channing Sterling on that roster. He, the man can recruit. I mean, I know he's retiring, <laughs> but hey, bring him back and just solely recruit people. Like, I'm not, I'm not against that. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I want to just say, man, I know Brady Hook is disappointing and everything at Michigan, but I saw, like, he retired, and, like, I saw kind of what some of the former players were saying about him and all the respect they have for him, and I've got to say, man, he, I have a lot of respect for him, too. I know he was on the staff for that 1997 National Championship game, and the man, there's no question about it, he really loves Michigan, He's a Michigan he gave man. it his all in that job, so I just got to say respect to Brady Hook, man. It's sad that it didn't work out for you at Michigan, but I just hope he has a really good retirement. Me too. I mean, just like from the when every every pretty much every single player we interviewed, we talked to Wormley, we talked to Ch- Strib, and we talked to Khalid. They all loved him, you know. Mm-hmm. And even if he didn't win games ultimately in his tenure, he's clear like he was a player's coach. Everyone loved him, and um, he was a good man. He was a Michigan man. So yep. in the end, no, not really a whole lot of ill will towards Brady. Sometimes you have to move on, but he still gave us that sugar bowl too. He did give us fun that here. sugar bowl. That that twenty eleven team is kind of the first like good Michigan team I can remember in my lifetime. So And he also was a coach that beat Michigan State and Ohio State. So I mean got And Notre Dame. Him. And Notre Dame. Beat all three. And in his first two years he beat all three. So right. Yep. It's pretty cool. So yeah, I gotta say respect to Brady Hoke, man, but uh, I think that pretty much does it, though, for this episode. Um, I know we didn't preview Maryland too much, but I don't think there's much to preview. Not much other to than... preview. I mean, yeah. Maryland is a team they should beat. This is a team they should roll. So, yeah. So, what's your what's your score prediction for Maryland? I'm gonna say thirty-eight seven. I think that's pretty good. Um, I was gonna say probably. I'll say 41 to 10. I think they're going to get some... I think it's going to be like only three points the whole game. And then all of a sudden at the end, when we put it in our scrub, like they're the going to get game. a garbage touchdown. Yeah. yeah. One of those things. But, yeah, I don't think the game will ever be in doubt. And then, you know what? Next week is going to be one of the biggest weeks of our lives. As fans, it's going to be nuts. And uh, I can't wait to record that episode next week. It's going to be crazy. Yeah, that's I'm excited, man. Hey, go blue. We're ten to zero. Let's let's keep it rolling and let's win this natty. Yeah, in 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 the interim coaches we trust, man. Phil Martelli, Sharon Moore, you guys are killing it right now. Undefeated in both sports. I don't think anybody expected that win against Penn State without Harbaugh, really, in the national media. And I don't think anybody expected Michigan basketball to be doing this right now. So shout out to the interim coaches, man, for doing their jobs and holding it down. Um, keep rolling man keep, keep going rolling. yeah so thanks for listening guys really appreciate you guys tuning in again um yeah looking forward to next week man go blue go blue